بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله we in this series on Ibn Ata'illah's Hikam with the commentary Ikmal al-Shiyam we were covering wisdom number 237 uh, we did half of it in the last in the previous session uh, just before ramadan so inshallah we look at the second half of it quickly today inshallah essentially this is what he says he says ja'alahu laka aduwan liyuh li ja'alahu laka aduwan liyahushaka bihi ilayh wa harraka alayka nafs and what that meant was he made the devil your enemy so that through him he could drive you towards himself. So through the devil Allah could drive you to himself and he stirred up your soul against you so that your drawing near to him, meaning to Allah, would be permanent. So we discussed the first aspect of it of how the shaitan is used and how the shaitan then becomes instrumental almost, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the shaitan to make us turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the idea was that there are several enemies in front of the human being's uh, pursuit to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everybody wants to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We love him as Muslims, as believers, we love him. We're supposed to love him. What does it mean that we love Allah? What does it mean that we want to be close to him or that we should be close to him because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran those people who believe they are most ardent in their love for Allah so that's definitely something that Muslims are aiming for or they should be aiming for but what does it mean to love Allah and what does it mean to be close to Allah it's very difficult to find out until we're able to overcome our nafs our soul, our desires, and also the shaitan. And the wonderful thing about Ramadan, you can say one of the greatest uh, objectives of Ramadan is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, takes the shaitan out of the picture. So it's only the nafs that you have to worry about. And because of forcing us to constrain ourselves to not eating, restricting ourselves to eating only in the night time, and not eating during the daytime when we would normally have breakfast and lunch and so on. Uh, that helps to tell the nafs that uh, I can't do your bidding because the nafs is used to, we're used to eating in the daytime, right? You know, we would be nearing lunchtime right now. We would have had breakfast in the morning or being Sunday may have been a late breakfast. So we would have been used to eating. But he says, no, you cannot eat because Eating, drinking, sexual intercourse is not allowed between dawn and sunset. That even though our nafs may feel hungry and want, we say, no, you can't have it. So after a few days, it just stops asking. You, you don't wake up in the morning expecting breakfast. So that means that when you do this for about 30 days, if we can then learn from that, that after we finish Ramadan, we're not supposed to actually jump back onto it then that means we would have, inshallah, at least taken care of two of our enemies, a shaitan and then the nafs, but the nafs is worse. 
So that's why if we learn about it in Ramadan and we train ourselves and get some control, then even when shaitan comes back after Ramadan, then at least we're still not completely slaves to our nafs. Then it's easier when shaitan doesn't have the nafs as his colleague inside, inside our lives, then it's better for us and it's more difficult for him. So the first part we read already that why the, why the shaitan is such an issue, but it's actually not an issue and the only way to overcome it is by dhikr, so that's already been discussed. Now we look at the next part of this. So, وَحَرَّكَ عَلَيْكَ النَّفْسَ لِيُدِيمَ إِقْبَالَكَ عَلَيْهِ وَلِيَدُومَ إِقْبَالُكَ عَلَيْهِ You can read it both ways. He stirred up your soul against you so that your drawing nearer to him would be permanent. So how is that going to be? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's created the nafs in a way to distract us, to get us to enjoy things. That's the part of us which enjoys food, purely for the sake of enjoyment. Sometimes you wonder, where you've had a large plate of something or too much of something, you wonder what enjoyment you actually get once it's in your stomach. The enjoyment purely is beforehand that I'm going to get this, so there's a desire towards it, which releases all of these chemicals in the brain. And then after that, when you're actually eating it, there's an enjoyment there due to the texture of the food, the flavor of the food, the design of the food, the look of the food, the appearance of the food, whether it's hot or cold and so on. All of these individual factors, right, all of these individual factors come together to provide our nafs with a kick. Once it's down, then what benefit is there afterwards? It's purely beforehand and while we're eating. But after it's gone, it's gone. Now if it's unhealthy, then it's bad for us. Of course, if it's a healthy food, then we expect that it's going to nourish us and we may have long-term benefits from it. So that's the way to think of this. So that's just one idea of how the nafs wants something. Then if it wants to look at something which it enjoys, then you look at it. Now, if it's the Kaaba, you get reward for it. But if it's something haram, then the only, in, the only physical pleasure and enjoyment you get is when you're seeking to look at it, when you're wanting to look at it, and when you're looking at it. Once it's gone, then any true believer will feel like, I've just wasted my time. I've just committed a sin. I've just put myself into jeopardy for what? Because now that I've looked at it, it's gone now. I have to look at it again. Uh, for haram, that's the way these things work. You feel guilt afterwards. See, the way it deals with it is that we've discussed nafs in several other talks, so I won't go into much detail into the different stages, which you should be aware of by now anyway. But the nafs, when the human aspect, you see, the nafs is the faculty within us that is dealing, like swaying, between our human aspect, which is our animalistic aspect, and I don't want to say human aspect because the human aspect is actually a makeup of two aspects, the animalistic and the angelic, the ruh and the nafs. The nafs is always going to take us to fulfill our desires. So when the animalistic, bodily, physical aspect of it overcomes the nafs, then it constantly, the nafs, our ego, our desire constantly wants to go downwards to basically benefit from worldly, earthly desires.
earthly pleasures. Whereas being a spiritual self as well, we want to go to the higher levels to fulfill our rights, to abide by the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's this constant swaying between those two states. No, I must fulfill these obligations. I mustn't do this. I mustn't do that. But then there's another side of us which is pushing us to earthly things. So the nafs wants, the nafs comes from the human body. The body is made of soil. So the nafs constantly wants us to go back to our origin, which is basically this salsal, the clay, the teen, the, the soil, the dirt of the ground. And our ruh aspect, our spirit aspect, wants us to ascend with it to the a'la illiyin, to the highest realms of, of paradise and jannah. And for that, the spirituality. So the ruh wants us to go up. So there's the constant up and downward battle. <clears throat> the nafs wants to find rest and repose in the worldly forms, being with people, being with friends. One of the biggest challenges for people today in Western countries, where people have food and so on mostly, is not being able to see your friends, not being able to visit people, not being able to interact, sit with people. Of course, that's everywhere, but that's a, a very particular thing that a lot of people deal with. So that's a desire of the nafs. Why do we want to do that? Because it's a very nafsi thing to do. Whereas our ruh and spirit wants us to go more in the angelic state, to the realm of the unseen, to think about Allah, to be connected to Allah, to develop love for Him, to feel the presence of Allah. That's why when a lot of people do dhikr, and they think that after a few days of dhikr or after a few days of few weeks of dhikr, they're going to start feeling a certain presence. And that's the biggest mistake because then shaitan makes us desirous again for a sensation, a feeling. And that's very wrong. If Allah wants to give us a pleasure, a, uh, a feeling, whatever that is, that's up to him. We mustn't feel bad if we don't get it. Myself as a slave, my job is just to remember him. So I dedicate an hour, half an hour, five minutes to remember him. My main objective in that is to concentrate and to think of his name and take his name. That's my job, to work on concentration. It's not to feel a pleasure or anything. If that comes, alhamdulillah, some people feel it, some people don't. But our job is Udhkur isma rabbik. Remember the name of your Lord. Just take the name of your Lord with concentration, with presence. That's all we need. And as long as we're doing that, we're doing the dhikr of Allah. That in itself is difficult. We just want to make it easy on ourselves if we feel something. But what about if we'd never feel anything for whatever reason? Does that mean we stop doing the dhikr of Allah? The command is to do dhikr of Allah. The command is not to feel something. The command is to remember Allah with presence. So may Allah make us that easy for us and Allah facilitate it for us.
That's why the nafs always wants to go down. And we, based on our spirit, always wants to go up. And that is what Ibn Atta'illah means by That Allah has caused the movement, the turbulence of the nafs in us. So that we can continue to go up. Because you need that resistance to be able to push up. You need to push up and to go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, in that sense, if you look at it from that sense, some of the ulama say that the nafs and the shaitan are actually, for our inner self, they're actually blessings. Now, somebody's going to say, you're calling shaitan a blessing. See, everything has multiple purposes. That's the elaborate nature of Allah's creation. When he does something, there's a harm to someone. Maybe a punishment to someone, but it's a lesson for another. It's a benefit for the other by saying, if that's the punishment, I don't want that punishment, I'm going to avoid doing these wrongs. That's what we mean here when the ulama say that the nafs and the shaitan, they are actually bounties and gifts from Allah to better our inside. Because if it wasn't for them, then we may have never pushed against them towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not have become initiated. One of the shuyukh of the past, whose name was Mawlai al-Arabi, anybody who used to come and complain about the nafs, because everybody complains about the nafs, that I just, it's my desires, because that is what everybody is dealing with, that is what everybody is challenged by. It's the nafs, it's the soul, it's the desire, it's the seeking of pleasures. Can't get out, I, I can't get out of it. That's what people say. Even in, even in, in Ramadan, it becomes di- it's difficult for some people. But Allah makes it easy. So that's why when somebody would come and complain of the nafs to him, common complaint, he would say, Amma ana fajazallahu anni nafsi khayra. Subhanallah. This person is really in tune. He says, as far as myself is concerned, I don't complain about the nafs. I am saying that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, on my behalf, reward my nafs with goodness. May Allah reward my nafs on my behalf. Because ma alayya illa fadlullahi wa fadluha. I've basically, all I owe is Allah's grace and the grace that He's given me the nafs to fight against so that I can get higher to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahi ma nansa jameelaha. The good aspect of it, that's not what we forget. So we are saying that this nafs is there just to keep us on our toes. The shaitan is on there. I know it'd be very, I mean, some of you may be thinking, but why couldn't Allah just do away with the nafs? Do away with the shaitan? And just make it naturally that we think about Allah all the time. Well, that's not Allah's design. That's not what the purpose of this world is. Uh, The purpose of this world is to have the dilemma, the challenge, the choice. That's why we got free choice. And that's why there's a paradise and hellfire. So that's the reality now. We can't change it. And we already feel physically, perceptibly inclined to right and wrong. And we know deep down, we all know inherently that the good is where we want to go. So it's just about trying to explain the reality now. Yes, by design something could have been different. 
But as many ulama have said that the way Allah has designed this world and set up everything and the challenge and so on is the best that he could have ever done. Because Allah always do, does the best that he can do. So this is the world he's created. So he must be the best that he can do because there's nothing short in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability. Allah never does anything mediocre or less than perfection. So this is it. This is exactly what he has in mind. So we have to live in that. And we can't deny any of it. So that's why the ulama who've understood this, the people who've understood this, they say, look, I completely understand. I'm going to take the nafs along for the ride, but I'm going to use it for me to go higher to Allah. That's why, alhamdulillah, the nafs is something that you can overcome. While the nafs and the shaitan are definitely sources of fitna and problem, apparently speaking, calamities, difficulties, obstacles, hindrances, nuisances, distractions, name it. But the one who's been able to surmount it is able to then go overcome it, understand the benefits of it, understand that it keeps on our toes so that we get to where we want to go. So the summary is that the nafs and shaitan, and then we bring back the dunya and the people. Remember, these are the lines in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of distractions. So the nafs and the shaitan, the soul and the shaitan, then the dunya and the people. These are going to be the highway men. These are going to be the robbers of the path, the bandits. So if they want, if, you, if we're not careful, they will actually prevent us from the path and take us away. But those who know how to manipulate these things in the positive way can use all of these things to actually get us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, among all of these things, you need obviously tawfiq to do this. The nafs is actually worse than the shaitan. It's more difficult than the shaitan. Because remember, with the shaitan, you do a bit of dhikr and it just goes away. Simple as that. You do dhikr and the shaitan goes away. So all the urges that we feel, even when we're praying to Allah to let the urges go, those urges then can't be from the shaitan, they're from the nafs. And that's what the whole benefit of nafs is. That's why they say that the nafs is much more difficult to deal with than the shaitan because لِأَنَّهُ عَدُوٌ مُتَّصِلٌ It's an enemy that's always with us. It's an enemy that's always in our bed, in our house, wherever we go. And the other thing is that we've got this really strange relationship with our nafs. We're very compassionate to ourselves. It's like we can't even separate it. It's, it's something to think about. It's like, what is it in me? How can I separate it? And the people who've been able to separate the idea, the good of it from the bad, is are who are successful. So that's why it's a tougher enemy to deal with because it's within us, it's with us, and we have a lot of concern for it. And we like to indulge it. That's why according to some ulama, the nafs is aqbah min sab'een shaytanan fi qat'i tariq It's worse than 70 shaytans in basically hindering from the path of Allah for us. I would definitely agree. The nafs is about 70 times as worse. Because most of the time, we are, if you think about most of the time, the wrongs that we, are, we may be involved in, that we're challenged by, and that we're, we are uh, troubled by, and that bother us, and that 
repeatedly cause us indulgence, they're going to be the habitual ones. Not new ones. People don't do new sins every day. Right? You do a new sin once or twice and then it becomes a habit. Shaitan is there to keep encouraging until it becomes a habit. Then enough takes over anyway. Then Shaitan just has to remind us. And then we feel like we want the fix. So 70 times worse and more difficult and more repugnant than the Shaitan. That's why Ibn al-Qastallani uh, transmits from Ahmed ibn Sahl rahimahullah. He says, He's telling us that you have four enemies. The first is the dunya. The second is the desire. The third is the shaitan. And the fourth is the nafs or ego. He's separated desire, hawa. Desire, just desiring for something, which is very closely related to nafs, but he's separated the two out. So he'll explain. The first one is the dunya. And your weapon against that, or the weapon in that, the weapon uh, of the dunya rather, is you meeting with people. Because then you have to do what they want and you get into the unless it's good people. Most people, you know. And the way to imprison the dunya is by solitude. I mean, personally... This lockdown has been wonderful. I'm, I mean, I'm not even joking. I'm, it's just, I'm dreading the day it's going to be open. Because alhamdulillah, everything we want gets done. Allah has made it easy. Allah has supplied us and provided us. And there's just that, minimize, there's just that you know, minimizing of doing redundant things. It's the perfect state. I hope it's been like that for a lot of other people. The weeks have flown by. doesn't even feel like it's been over a month. May Allah allow us. And people totally from a non-spiritual sense, non-religious sense, there's lots of discussion about this now. We've learned so much, even from atheists. Like we've learned so much from this lockdown. Question is that when it all opens up again, then are we going to forget this newfound basis, this newfound comfort, are we going to forget it again? So this is not just religious people who are talking about this, but everybody else. And if somebody is... People need to understand this. The second one, he says, is the desire. And the desire here doesn't mean nafs, it means hawa, just desire for things. And he says, the weapon used there is speech. So when you talk a lot with people, whether that be in texting or in writing or in speech. And the way to imprison this part of it is to be silent. The third one, he says, is the shaitan. And the enemy, the, the weapons of shaitan used here is, he says, is to be fully satiated all the time. Fully satiated all the time. And the way to imprison it is to stay hungry. So there we're getting the benefit of that in Ramadan. And the fourth one he says is the nafs, is the lowly ego. And he says the, the way the nafs uses, the, the nafs overcomes and uh, the nafs uh, uses as weapon is sleep. And the imprisoning of it is through staying awake. Ramadan provides us that as well. There's a poem, it says, Inni bulitu bi arba'in yarminani. 
بالنبل عن قوس له تتوير إني بليت بأربع يرمينني بالنبل عن قوس له توتير إبليس والدنيا ونفسي والهوى يا ربي أنت على الخلاص قدير I am constantly the poet says that I am constantly challenged by four things which are constantly firing at me constantly firing at me from a quiver just full of arrows never ending who are these four? Iblis the dunya my own nafs and my desire oh my lord only you have the ability you certainly have the ability to give me escape and delivery from this so let us read what Ibn Ata'illah says about this hikam to complete Ibn At- uh, sorry, uh, what Shaykh Abdullah Gangohi provides in his commentary as an explanation here he says Allah Most High informed mankind in the Quran that the devil is their open enemy by virtue of Allah's information and your own experience you will now realize without any doubt that the devil is your enemy in addition to your soul while your soul is your enemy from within the devil is an outside enemy you will realize that he is the enemy of your welfare in both abodes at the same time you will know that on account of your weakness and the invisibility of your enemy his plots to destroy you will be highly dangerous furthermore you will not find any friend on earth to aid you against your enemy when this knowledge becomes the condition of your heart you will readily turn in supplication to Allah Most High you will be anxiously turning your attention to Him this attitude is most desirable this laudable attitude will in fact be the consequence of the devil's animosity for you so it's when this gets quite severe that people generally then think that no I need to turn to Allah because only He can help me otherwise people just go along with the deceits of the nafs and the shaitan most of the time Similarly, Allah Most High has induced your soul to pursue desires. That's the design of the soul. The soul is always demanding satiation of its pleasures. Sometimes the soul seeks expressions, expression of its desires to commit sin. And sometimes it desires the bounties and the luxuries of the world. The traveler usually becomes perturbed by these demands because the domination of these desires prevents him from the actual goal of divine proximity with Allah however the wisdom and mercy of Allah Most High for the servant in this trial is that he will struggle against his soul we've been told to struggle since the servant cannot overcome the soul by himself he has no option but to supplicate to Allah Most High we have to ask him Allahu Akbar his attention will therefore be fixed permanently towards Allah Most High thus he will ever be alert against this enemy it should be understood that the state of being permanently alert against the enemy is acquired when the knowledge of the soul's malice becomes one's attitude and disposition. Mere knowledge is not sufficient. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help and this Ramadan especially that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow this Ramadan to have its effect which is that we get taqwa la'allakum tattaqoon as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran that we actually do attain the taqwa by the end of it and that taqwa continues uh, for the rest of our life until we meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only to increase insha'Allah. 
واخر دعوانا ان الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام وتبارك يا الجلال والاكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا اله الا انت سبحانك انا كنا من الظالمين جزا الله عنا محمدا ما هو اهله يا ارحم الراحمين يا معدن الجود والكرم يا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين ويا اكرم الاكرمين ويا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الاحياء منهم والاموات اللهم اغفر لامتي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر لنا ولوالدينا ولمشايخنا ولاساتذتنا ولاولادنا ولازواجنا ول إخواننا ولأخواتنا ولأستقائنا ولأقاربنا ولكل من له حق علينا ولكل من أوصانا بالدعاء اللهم ارحمهم وعافهم وعف عنهم اللهم ارحمنا بالقرآن العظيم وجعله لنا إماما وهدى ونورا ورحمة اللهم ذكرنا منهما نسينا وعلمنا منهما جهلنا اللهم ارزقنا تلاوته آناء الليل وآناء النهار اللهم أصلح لنا شأننا كله ولا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من الجنون والجذام والبرس وسيء الأسقام رب زدنا علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وعملا متقبلا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من علم لا ينفع وقلب لا يخشع ونفس لا تشبع وعين لا تدمع ودعاء لا يستجاب له Ya Arham Ar-Rahimeen, we ask you for your special attention. We ask you for your special focus. We ask you for your generosity, for your forgiveness, for your clemency, for your forbearance. Oh Allah, we ask you for your divine protection. We ask you for your divine enablement. Ya Allah, forgive us, <coughs> purify us, cleanse us. Oh Allah, this month is a month of forgiveness. It's a month of cleansing. It's a month of closeness. It's a month of love. Oh Allah, it's a month of love. There are the world over. There are millions of people who are fasting for you. Oh Allah, in this month there are millions who are staying hungry. Who are voluntarily staying hungry. Oh Allah, who are praying extra prayers. Oh Allah, who are giving extra charity. O oh Allah, who are doing many additional deeds. O oh Allah, there are millions in this world today, during this month, who are avoiding and abandoning those sins that they used to commit before. O oh Allah, well, above all, and firstly, we thank you for this state. We thank you for the Ramadan. We thank you for this opportunity. And above all, we thank you for being believers. We thank you for having you to turn to in these difficult times. Oh Allah, we thank you for being there for us in these difficult times. Oh Allah, we thank you for making us of those who can turn to you and who can find comfort with you. Oh Allah, grant us greater comfort. Oh Allah, grant us our entire comfort with you. Oh Allah, grant us our entire reliance in you. Oh Allah, take us away from the reliance of everything else. O oh Allah, especially take us away from reliance and sufficiency with the haram. O oh Allah, grant us sufficiency with the halal, with what you have given us. O oh Allah, you are there for us. 
Oh Allah, we ask that you've taken the shaitan away from us. Keep the shaitan away from us for the rest of our life. Oh Allah, protect us from the mischiefs of the shaitan, especially on our deathbed. Oh Allah, bless our family members and our community and those others who have died around the world with Iman. Oh Allah, grant them shahada and jannat al-firdaus. Oh Allah, we ask you <coughs> to grant us health. We ask, us to, we ask that you grant us security. We got, we, you grant us humility. You grant us generosity. You grant us empathy for others. You grant us the ability to assist others. You grant us the ability to be selfless, to be concerned, to want to do for others, to love others. Oh Allah, protect us from the blameworthy traits of jealousy, the blameworthy traits of animosity, of hatred, of discontentment, of ingratitude. Oh Allah, protect us. These are severe indeed for those who have them. Oh Allah, these are severe indeed for those who have them. Oh Allah, allow us to serve your deen in some way or the other. Make us of those who are not just uselessly just going through the world, who have their own wealth, <coughs> who have their own food, who have a good place to live, who have a good means of transport, but they don't focus about anybody else. Oh Allah, make us of those who do something worthwhile in this world those who accomplish something extra in this world. Oh Allah, leave a legacy behind in this world. Leave a positive, <coughs> a positive aspect and a positive goodness in this world that people can remember us with goodness. Oh Allah, allow us to be of those who people will remember with goodness but not with evil. Oh Allah, make us keys for goodness. Allahumma hdina wahdibina waj'alna hudatan liman ihtada. Oh Allah, Make us of those who will, you will raise on the Day of Judgment and give place in your shade and to give them the company of the righteous, the pious, to give them the company of the martyrs, give them the company of the Siddiqeen. O oh Allah, we are asking you a lot. Our actions may not be able to carry us there, but we know that your grace will be able to carry us. O oh Allah, we are asking you this sitting in the masjid here. O oh Allah, people are sitting... They would have been sitting in a masjid if they could be. Oh Allah, people are sitting at home. They've been forced to stay away from the masajid. Oh Allah, open up these masajid again. Remove this waba and this, this problem from us. Oh Allah, remove it from us. Oh Allah, allow us to learn the lessons from this. Oh Allah, allow us to learn the lessons from this so that they can be beneficial for us for the rest of this life and especially in the hereafter, which is the true life. Oh Allah, grant us an understanding of the of the, of the life hereafter. O oh Allah, allow us to focus on this journey which is inevitable, which is going to happen. O oh Allah, do not allow us to leave it too late. O oh Allah, every day, every moment, allow us to do something which is good. O oh Allah, make all of our normal daily actions into good actions by good intention. O oh Allah, correct our intention. O oh Allah, remove from us futility. Remove from us redundancy. O oh Allah, remove from us misunderstanding, misfocus, distraction, negligence. Oh Allah, we ask that you allow us to really understand our priorities. Oh Allah, that you allow that switch to take place that we suddenly now, we want to do good for you and make your obedience beloved in our heart. 
Oh Allah, make there be nothing that is greater than your love in our hearts. Make there be nothing that is more beloved in our hearts than your obedience. Oh Allah, make your disobedience hated in our hearts. Make nothing more repugnant. Allow us to abstain from it. Allow us to avoid it. Allow us to stay away from it. Oh Allah, we ask you for assistance. Oh Allah, we can't do this ourselves. Oh Allah, we've seen that this is the normal state of human beings, that when they see others in trouble, they assist them. Especially parents assist their children. Even when they're walking, when they're learning to walk, they can't walk anymore. They, the child will be picked up by the parents. This is the compassion and the mercy that you've given to parents. Ya Allah, we know that you are more merciful than all the parents in this world. We, you have more mercy than all the mercy that exists in this world. Oh Allah, we know that you are greater and more beloved to us than even our parents. Because in the Quran, you mention how people will run away from their own children and their own parents, their brothers, their sisters, their spouses. But oh Allah, you have also said in the Quran that even though we are sinners, we should not be hopeless in your mercy. Oh Allah, this is the mercy that we are invoking of you. Oh Allah, accept this dua for, of ours. Oh Allah, write us to be from the people of paradise and write us to have been delivered from the people of hellfire. Oh Allah, in these nights of the month of Ramadan, oh Allah, just the same happiness that you give us at iftar time when we have our food and we break our fast. Oh Allah, allow the happiness and the joy on the day of judgment when we see you to be even greater than that. Oh Allah, allow us to easily <coughs> and with facility, with ease, <clears throat> and with success have this Ramadan and be drenched in its mercy and its forgiveness and its blessings. Oh Allah, grant us from the all the types of blessings of this month of Ramadan. Oh Allah, remove the persecution and the difficulties faced by so many around the world, the unfairness that is faced around the world by people. Oh Allah, <clears throat> allow people to do what is right and make us of those who do what is right and to assist others who do right and to assist others to remove the wrongs that they may be doing in their lives. Oh Allah, remove from us the wrongs and allow us to assist others to remove the wrongs. Make us of those who are instrumental of doing good and keys for goodness and virtue in this world. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Accept whatever, whatever good deeds that we do, whatever good efforts that we do. Allah, accept them from us. <clears throat> and oh Allah, we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that you grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.